0: 28. We're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. This is a continuation of the text that Blair read uh, a few moments ago, the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And if you would, please stand with me and honor the reading of God's holy word. Now, after the Sabbath... But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. It is true in all that it says and teaches because God, you are the supreme author of this word. Therefore, it's inerrant and infallible, the only rule for faith and for practice. And Father, we pray that your word would go forth this morning and that our ears would be opened, our hearts and minds would receive it with gladness. Father, we pray for believers here today that they might be encouraged and challenged by your word, that through it we might worship you, through it we might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. But if there is one here this Easter Sunday, maybe someone who's heard this message many, many times, but they've never believed, Lord, would you do the work in that one's heart today to bring that one to Christ. Glorify yourself, the preaching of your word. Fill me, this preacher, with your spirit. Lord, that you might increase, that I might decrease. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The date was Tuesday, March the 13th, 1979. My father-in-law, Steve, and my mother-in-law, Marlene, they were on the way to the hospital. They were getting ready to have their first baby. And it was just a couple weeks before that, they had gone to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, get ready because you're going to have one big baby boy. And can you imagine after hearing that, the thoughts that were going through their, their minds, they were probably seeing everything in blue. We're going to have this big little boy running around the house very soon. They're probably thinking about the, the, the boy clothes that they want to buy, maybe the, the trucks, the fire trucks, the dump trucks that they're going to get. For their son and with anticipation with expectation they were thinking about this day well the day finally came Tuesday March 13th 1979 and when they they went to the hospital that day and it was almost time for delivery and the doctor kind of stopped and with a puzzled look on his face right before the baby was born he looked up at Steve and Marlene and he said I got to tell you something There's not one big baby. There's actually two. Two little babies. Oh, and by the way, neither one of them are boys. (laughs) You're getting ready to have two little girls. Could you imagine what's going through their minds at that moment? All their expectations that they had about blue and trucks and boy stuff, completely changed, and it wasn't going to be one big boy. It was going to be two, two little girls. Has anything like that ever happened to you? You know, you're, you're expecting one thing to happen, but something else completely unexpected comes along. You know, I tell you that story this morning because that's exactly what happens in our text today. There are certain people in our text that expect certain things to happen, but the unexpected actually happens. You know, God does that all the time. A lot of times I think he does it to show us that we're not God and he is. And he shows us sometimes that our plans might not match up with his plans. And again, that, that happened to the people in our text today. For as we read the text, the one that Blair read earlier, the one that I read just a moment ago, uh, ago We find that there's these two groups of people, one the ladies and the other the guards. These folks had certain expectations about what was going to happen that first Easter morning. But we find that God had some unexpected plans that were waiting on them that day. So as we look at this text, I want you to see three main things this morning. First of all, I want you to see the expected. Secondly, the unexpected. And then finally, the worship. The expected, the unexpected, and the worship. Look back with me. If you have your Bible still out, look back with me at chapter 1 of verse 28. Or, excuse me, verse 1 of, of, uh, of chapter 28. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn... Of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. The first thing let's look at is the women. What did those ladies expect that first Easter Sunday? You know, that first Sunday after the morning of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, it must have been a very dark, a very gloomy, time in the lives of those women. The text says it was at dawn. So even though the sun was coming up to brighten their day in their hearts, there was nothing but darkness. There was nothing but grief. Why? Because just a few days earlier, the Bible says these ladies saw the Lord of glory. Yes, even the Lord Jesus Christ, they saw him suffer and bleed and die. We know that these ladies watched As Jesus was beaten and scourged, they heard the crowds cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! These ladies watched the nails go into his hands and feet. They watched him suffer on the cross. These ladies watched him breathe his last and say, It is finished. So nothing but grief was in their hearts and in their minds. You see, these these women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the Bible says they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. The Scriptures teach us that these women, they had followed Jesus since he was in Galilee. They had attended to his every need. These ladies were even at the tomb on Friday when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus' body and they wrapped it in the linens. They were close. But now... It was the third day. And though their hearts were still heavy with grief, their compassion, their love for Jesus brought them out one more time. And on their way to the tomb, the Scriptures teach us that they were expecting to find many things. What were they expecting? First of all, they expected to find a large stone in front of that grave. It's the text that Blair read a few moments ago. You know, as we read the other Gospels, specifically Mark, Mark goes on to explain that the women's pondered in their mind as they're walking to the tomb. They pondered in their mind, how are we going to get into that grave? How are we going to move that stone? We just don't know. All their questions weren't answered So in their minds, they expected to find that grave blocked and sealed. Secondly, again, they were expecting another day of heartache, another day of grief. You know, when they were with Jesus, they were so excited to have him in their lives. But now, he was gone. And if Jesus was gone, their hope was gone. Sadness, sorrow, pain, that was the only thing that remained. Yes, I'm sure that that day they expected another day of grief. But thirdly, I'd say, they expected to find a dead man. You continue reading the other Gospels. Again, you go to the Gospel of Mark. Mark says that as these ladies were coming to the tomb, they had something in their hands. They had the spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Yes, they knew that Joseph of Arimathea, they knew that Nicodemus had wrapped Jesus in the in the linen cloths, but they were hoping that the decay could be delayed just a little bit longer. And they had the spices in their hands. So they definitely expected to find a dead man if they were able to get in the tomb. You think about the guards. Those Roman guards, what were they expecting that day? And the text Blair read a few moments ago, it says that the chief priests, the Pharisees, they were worried. They thought the disciples were going to come. They thought they would try to steal the body because Jesus had said something about rising from the dead. So what happened? They made a plan. They were going to make sure that wasn't going to happen. They took counsel with Pilate. And after that counsel... They ordered that the grave be blocked and sealed, the rock be put in place, and have the guards monitor that grave for three days. You see, they expected that rock to keep Jesus in the tomb and everybody else out. They expected those guards to make sure no one got in that tomb. What else did they expect? The guards probably expected a th- three easy days of duty, right? You ever look at your work schedule and, and say, man, I'm so glad. Maybe the next two or three days won't be as hard as what it just been. I'd say the guards were probably thinking about that. This guy's dead. This rock, no mere man can move that rock. And even if someone comes and tries, we're going to be here to stop them. No biggie, Right? This is going to be an easy three days of work. The guards expected an uneventful day. But beloved, all of these expectations, all of these foregone conclusions were based on the ordinary, the natural order of events. But you see something? What these ladies forgot and what these guards didn't know is they weren't dealing with just an ordinary man. They were dealing with the supernatural Son of God. And the Bible tells us today that God has some unexpected plans for those ladies and these guards. Let's look at them. Verses 2 through 8 of your text. Look at them with me. And behold, there was a great earthquake, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran, yes, they ran to tell those disciples Could you imagine being one of those guards at the tomb that day? You're standing at the tomb. You're thinking, this is going to be an uneventful three days of work. And the ground beneath you starts shaking. The angel of God descends right in front of you. The Bible says his appearance was like lightning, his clothes white as snow. And that rock, that great, big, enormous rock that no mere man could move on his own, that rock, that rock was rolled away, rolled away with ease. Yeah, those those guards thought, yeah, maybe some disciples will show up, and when they do, we'll encounter them, we'll stop them from rolling back that stone. But never did they expect the angel of the Lord. All that time to put that stone in place, a stone that no mere man could move. They never expected the angel of the Lord to appear and roll back that stone. And they watched that giant stone be rolled away. And the Bible says when that happened, these guards were so terrified, they became like dead men. For their uneventful day had unexpectedly turned into terrifying fright and think about those ladies with a heart of compassion nothing but love with the spices in their hands they're walking to the tomb they expected to have that rock in front of the tomb they're wondering how we gonna move this rock but they get here and what happened the rock was rolled away All that time of worrying, all that time of expecting the rock to be there, they didn't expect the angel of the Lord to show up, but he did. And again, they expected to find a dead man, didn't they? They just knew Jesus was dead. They were there on Friday. They watched him suffer, they watched him bleed, they watched him die. They heard him say, it is finished. They watched him breathe his last. And they were prepared to anoint Jesus. But the angel told them that Jesus was not in the tomb. That he had risen from the dead. Yes, their expected rock had unexpectedly rolled away. Their expected gloom had turned into Unexpected joy. But most importantly, dear church of the living God, their expected dead Savior had unexpectedly risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the angel of the Lord was very tender with these ladies. The first thing he said to them was, Do not be afraid. That reminds you of the birth of Jesus, doesn't it? You remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds? who were out in the fields. What's, you, you, I bet you've got it memorized, but maybe you've never thought about it. What's the first thing the angel said to the shepherds? Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. When the, when, when the Lord shows up with his angels, the first thing he wants his people to know is, don't fear. It's the same thing here. The angel says to the ladies, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Then, the angel gently reminded the ladies that Jesus had earlier told them that he would rise. And at that point, they probably recalled the words of Jesus, didn't they? When, when Jesus said, tear down this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. And they knew his promises were true. Their hearts, did you see verse 8? Their hearts were, were filled with this mixture of, of fear and joy. I, imagine being in that situation. It's this mixture of fear and joy. And in hearing this news, they turned not to walk. They turned to run because they had something to say. And they wanted to run to those disciples and tell them the good news. But as they were running, God had one more unexpected event to bring into their lives. And it was an event That would bring them to their knees. Look at verses 9 and 10. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Here it is again. (laughs) Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Could you imagine being one of those ladies? You are running. You are sprinting to the disciples, and there he is. It was him. They knew it was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one they had just watched suffer and die on Friday, the one they thought that was dead that morning. It was Him. It was Jesus. And at that moment, these ladies gave Jesus the adoration and the praise that were the only, res- only proper responses to His presence. They did what every person, whether believer or unbeliever, will do without one day because as Philippians is going to teach us, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ was Lord And they were brought to their knees. The Bible says specifically, they took hold of his feet. They understood that he was Lord. That Jesus was worthy of worship. Why is Jesus worthy of worship? The Bible teaches us Jesus is worthy of worship, first of all, because of who he is. He's God. He is the creator of all things. He is the sovereign ruler of all things. Revelation 4 says it this way, Worthy are you, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. We worship Jesus because of who he is, but we also worship him because of what he's done. You see, Jesus did something that we couldn't do for ourselves. Without ceasing to be God, he became a man, the Bible says. He lived a perfect life. He died on Calvary's cross. He was buried and he rose the third day. And he accomplished salvation for us. Revelation 5 says it this way. You're worthy, Jesus, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men. So we worship him because of who he is. We worship him because of what he does or what he's done. But that brings forth the question why would Jesus do something like this? If he's truly God why would Jesus do something like what he just did? It's simply for this reason. He loves you. He loves me. You see, the Bible says that even though we're made in God's image, that we've fallen short of his glory, our sin has separated us from God. And as we've already learned in these last few sermons, sin has separation between man and God that it it leaves man hopeless. And if he died in a sin, he would go to a place called hell. But God looked at you, and he looked at me in that condition, and he loved us. And Jesus says, I'm going to step out of glory as God, and without ceasing to be God, I'm going to come all the way down to where these people are. I'm not going to come halfway down or part of the way down. I'm going to come all the way down. I'm going to take on their flesh and their blood. I'm going to be a little baby in the manger and then I'm going to grow and live and look people eye to eye and fully identify with them. I'm going to hurt just like they hurt. I'm going to feel pain just like they feel pain. I'm going to eat and sleep and drink and I'm going to cry tears when when my friend dies. I'm going to be tempted just like they are. But I'm going to do it perfectly because I know they can't. And Jesus within himself says, Because I, God, require perfection. Because I have such a high view of holiness. I know these people could never be holy by themselves. So I'm going to go to that cross. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And all the sin that was on these people's shoulders, Jesus says, I'm going to put on myself. I'm going to take the guilt. I'm going to take the shame. I'm going to take the abuse. And I'm going to do it for these people. And I'm going to die with their sin. But that's where we left it last week, wasn't it? Because the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus died for your sin, sin didn't defeat him. Death didn't defeat him. Separation from God didn't defeat him. Because the Bible says on the third day, Christ Jesus rose again from the dead. Dr. Kelly used to say it in seminary this way. He said, when death took on Jesus of Nazareth, it took on too much. Why? Because when Jesus rose from that dead, all of your sins were separated as far as the east is from the west. When Jesus rose from the dead, Hell was quenched for the people of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, death was defeated. Forever and ever, death was defeated. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he tells us now, now you can have forgiveness of your sins. Now you don't have to suffer the consequences of your sins because I did it for you. And not only did I do it for you, but I rose again, defeating all of your enemies. Go ahead and try. Take on sin by yourself. Take on hell by yourself. Take on death by yourself. You'll lose. But Jesus says, I'm going to take on all three. And in my resurrection, I will defeat them one by one by one. Sin is defeated. Hell is quenched. Death is defeated in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, beloved, the question that this text now demands as we come to our end, because the text will always demand questions of us, the text that this question demands is simply this. Will you also worship? Will you join the ladies in this text who ran and saw Jesus And they hit their knees, and they gave him the worship that he deserved. You know, we've spoken a lot today about expectations. And you might be here today and say in your heart and in your mind, you know, I have a lot of expectations. I have different expectations about how people can get to God. Some people say, I expect if I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. Some might say, I expect if I attend church, especially on Easter... Especially at Christmas. Check, check. Lord, I'm good. I expect if I'm good to my neighbor, my name is never in the paper, I'm never on the news. I expect, God, I'll go to heaven. Dear friend, if that is you, I encourage you to expect the unexpected. Because the Bible says that these types of expectations will be met with unexpected consequences Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says this to those kinds of reasons. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Beloved, you see, there's only one way to God, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, I boldly ask you this Easter Sunday, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as your Savior? Do you follow hard after him? as your Lord. Maybe you didn't expect me to ask that question today. But God has unexpectedly brought it to your attention. If you're here without Jesus, I have some good news for you. The Bible says the arms of Jesus are open wide. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father without me, Jesus says. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will never cast you out. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Jesus has paid your price. Go to him, confess your sin, trust him as Savior. And Lord, if I could talk with you about that, I'd love to do that with you. But if you're here today and you're a believer, you're a Christian, have you ever thought about what the resurrection means for your life? You think about those enemies of sin, those enemies of death and hell. If you tried to take those three things on by yourself, we would lose, wouldn't we? We would lose big time. But through Jesus, our sins are conquered. Hell is quenched. Death is defeated. Why? Because when death took on Jesus of Nazareth, it took on too much. Jesus is overcome. The grave is overwhelmed. Victory Is one. Christ is risen from the dead. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, you have accomplished for us such a wonderful and beautiful salvation, such a personal salvation, Jesus, in that you fully identified with us, your people. Without ceasing to be God, you wrapped yourself in our humanity. You looked us eye to eye. And even in the midst of a crowd that cried, Crucify him, on the cross you said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We know that those ladies saw you die. We know that their hope was diminished. But, Lord, the same joy that they had that resurrection morning can be ours even today. Only through a relationship with you. May we accompany those ladies and fall at the feet of Jesus. Recognizing that you are God. Recognizing that you are Savior and that you are Lord. Thank you for defeating all of our enemies. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.